Welcome everyone to the fifth ever episode of the Monocle Moments podcast where I talk to the most interesting people I can possibly find to hopefully bring you an interesting listening experience. Now in today's episode I talk to Kevin Langery. Are you ready for an impressive bio? So first of all, he's a professional kite surfer, most known for winning the Red Bull King of the Air three times. However, Kevin is also a content creator. He has a YouTube channel called The Kevlog where he makes amazing videos about his life as a kite surfer. And since this year, he's even a businessman. He started a company called Reading Kites together with Damien Girdin. And in today's podcast, we get into all sorts of interesting stuff. We talk about how to prepare for a competition, what it looks like to follow your passion, nature versus nurture, starting a business in kiting, and so much more. So without further ado, I bring you my interview with Kevin Langery. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fifth episode of the Monocle Moments podcast. And today, our guest is Kevin. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So maybe to start us off, for the people that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Kevin Langerij. I'm 31 years old. I, uh, I'm from Holland, in this little beach town called Noordwijk, and um, I'm a professional kiteboarder. That's awesome. So um, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because uh, I, you're a kiteboarder, of course, but it seems like at this point you're kind of not just a kiteboarder, you're a kiteboarder, you're a content creator on YouTube, and yeah. now you're also all of a sudden a businessman. Like Businessman, yeah. I forgot to wear my tie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nice thing about the sport that you don't need that, right? No, no, um, no, no, no. Yeah, so we just discussed it a little bit, but uh, I'm going to try for the listeners who are not kite surfers to hopefully get into some um, some non-related kite questions as well. So I want to jump off with a non-related kite question, which is, um, in your career, are there any big mentors that you've had that you could mention? Um, yeah, there are quite a few. Of course, first of all, my parents. They're great mentors, you know, they've been supporting uh, me and my sister. Uh, my sister's a professional kiteboarder too. Um, and yeah, they both supported us from a very young age because I started kiting when I was 11 years old and it was actually a brand new sport and there wasn't anyone that could tell you, oh, you know, you got to go do this and this and this. So you actually had to explore it yourself. And um, if you're, let's say, talented in soccer and you want to become a professional soccer player, there's a whole career path pretty much uh, planned out for you already. And there's all this support that you can have. So, uh, yeah, definitely my parents um, have been great mentors for me, telling me, you know, to, to follow my passion, follow my, um, you know, my, my career and, and do something you love to do. And, um, yeah, so I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I heard in another podcast that you, uh, you, after high school, you just decided, like, okay, no more studies. We're going to go kiteboarding full-time. Your parents yep. were, were like, cool, go do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, my parents saw I, I'm not the best at school. I was always this, uh, this very busy guy. Like, uh, I'm very active, very sporty. Um, so locking myself into a classroom was, uh, not really my fit. I did, I, I did finish my high school, but 
during my high school period, I was already competing and, and I had a chance to to make a living out of kiteboarding, um, mainly because of, you know, the support of my parents and my sponsors. And um, then after that, I, you know, after I finished my high school, I went full on into, um, into kiting. So were you the kind of kid that in high school was already winning at all the sports in school? Well, I was definitely very uh, active and always motivated on on sports, you know. So if there was a a, a sport that uh, that we were doing, I was uh, definitely uh, one of the most motivated guys to to get to get good at it, you know. Yeah, because it seems to me like you're pretty damn competitive. Because I mean, yep. you've won so many things that that requires some serious competitive mindset. Um, one thing I would naturally assume if you're very competitive is that sometimes you can um, maybe be less happy when you lose. How do you deal with it when you lose? Maybe oh, this yeah. year is a bad example. Yeah, man, I hate losing. But I think um, if you don't mind losing, you're never going to win. You know, you got to hate losing because um, if you hate losing a lot, then you figure out a way to win. And I think from... You know, most of the, the professional athletes that, that have a successful career, I, I'm sure we, we share that same drive and passion to, to always win and, and always try. That, that's been in me for, since a very early age. I've always been anything I wanted to do, wanted to become good at. I saw as a little, you know, as a competition or a set a goal to, for myself, even for some stuff that was, you know, very far away. But setting those goals for myself... Um, yeah, really motivates me to to go for it, and then you know you feel a lot, you feel more than you win. But those failure I use for you know use as a fuel to to stay motivated and 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 reach my goals. So you say you feel more than you win. Can you unpack that a little bit? Well, you know, if if you learn, if you comp like, for example, if you start competing, it's not like the first competition you show up, you're gonna win. Um, you know, you always hope for that, of course, but uh, that's definitely uh, not the case. You know, it takes a lot of practice and, and, and um, you know, getting your game plan rolling. And once you got that figured out and once you got that game plan and you're confident, uh, that's when you start winning. And uh, yeah. even, you know, at moments, you know, I've been competing pretty much my entire life in kiting. And I was like, you know, still a lot of times I'm like, okay, I got it figured out now. And then, bam, you know, you lose. And then you're like, yeah. shit, okay, I got to adjust a little bit. I got to, you know, maybe do this and this a little bit different on the next competition. But I love that part, you know. I think um, um, that part keeps you on top of your game. Starts, you know, I use that, like I said before, I use that as a fuel to motivate myself to keep on going back to the drawing board, you know, to change mm -hmm. tactics, to change... Uh, uh, yeah, change my way of training and, and look at different tricks, look at different gear to use so um, I can stay ahead of my competition. Yeah, so you said you don't always win the first time, but actually your first competition was when you were 12, right? And you did win that one. Yep. Or is that wrong? I was saying yeah. that and then I was like, shit, man, I was not, uh, that's not <laughs> really the best. Uh, I did like a couple <laughs> small competitions before that, but my yeah. first major competition I did uh, was a Dutch Championships. I was 14 years old and was allowed to compete uh, in the Dutch Championships for the first time, and uh, yeah, I managed to win. So that was um, yeah, that was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty insane. Oh, the 12 year old was when you first got sponsored by Nash, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think many people can say that. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to go a little bit deeper there because um, to me, it seems when someone is world class at anything, they must be doing something maybe different. So I want to try to see if we can find anything. So my, my question is, how do you kind of prepare for um, for your competitions? Well, first of all, I think you've got to be, um, it sounds stupid, but you've got to be obsessed with what you do. Like I'm completely obsessed with kiting since, since I basically started when I was 11 years old. And I'm 31 now, so 20 years later, and I'm still absolutely obsessed by kiting. I think about it every day. I, you know, and that's the thing I love doing the most. And I feel like if you do do something you love doing the most, you figure out a way how to get good at it. Because it doesn't feel like, like if you do, have to do something you hate doing, you don't like, like you, you don't like doing it. And then it always feels like an, an obstacle, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh shit, I still got to do that to achieve something. If you do something you love doing, it never feels like work, even though it is work. You got to put in a lot of work, but if you love doing like, uh, if you love doing something, um, like if you, if you do your passion, then it basically goes automatically. So do you think it's just about doing what you love or is it also partially that you may be by nature a more obsessive person, so to say? Um... I don't know. I, I think I figured out on a very early age an obsession, you know, and um, an obsession can be a very positive thing. It can be a negative thing as well. But I think I had the luck where I found not only a, an obsession, but also a passion, like a, mainly a passion that hmm. that sort of went into an obsession. But, um, you know, I was lucky enough to to to. Find kiting in a very at a very early age and and find a passion and I'm very glad that it all happened you know because I still see some people that are in their 30s in their 40s and they still haven't found a passion and uh, and for me kiting and having that that passion kiting is so obvious that sometimes for me it's almost hard to understand that some people do not have a passion but there's almost uh -huh. more people with not having a passion than people that have a crazy uh, passion like I have. Yeah. Yeah. In that sense, I think, uh, it's very, it's very lucky. Um, yeah, for sure. But I do feel like everyone I meet that goes kite surfing, it kind of becomes their obsession in one way or another because it's so fun yeah. to do. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> a, yeah, it's an obsession of, uh, an addiction almost, you know, it's like a drug. <laughs> yeah, I, I have this problem a lot actually at home because I started about eight months ago with kite surfing, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm late for dinner all the time. Yep. I, I leave work early to go kite surfing and it's, uh, it's been cancel meetings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of people that it ruins their entire life in a good way. Yeah, yeah exactly. So maybe we can go back to how you compare for competitions because I'm, I'm just really curious. What does it look like? Let's say king of the air what is what does your year in preparation look like yeah well the king of the air is one of the biggest competitions we have every year and uh it's it the format is pretty simple they um it's been held in south africa and cape town and we wait we have a waiting period of almost three weeks they invite um uh 24 of the best big air kite borders in the world 
and then we um, do a contest and the one the judging criteria is very simple you got to go as big as you can as extreme as you can and you got to have the best landings as possible the guy that has that um, is going to win the competition so the way I prepare for it is um, I just try to spend a, a, as much time as possible in South Africa at the location itself so I know all the little chops all the gusts I know them inside out Oh, and yeah. that way I get very comfortable at the location. So if the event is being held in, you know, it's always being held in, in pretty hardcore conditions, strong winds, uh, big waves. And yeah, and, and you do all these tricks uh, that are very, very risky. If you make one little mistake, and we've seen it in the past, I've, I've had some very major injuries mm-hmm. um, that happened with training for the king of the air. And a lot of other guys have as well. So you want to be, during this competition, you want to be on top of your game. You want to prepare yourself. And mm-hmm. the way I prepare myself is be on the water as much as I can and, and trying to figure out where that fine line is between learning new tricks but staying in one piece at the same time because you don't yeah. want to get injured just before the competition. Yeah, just for people who don't know, you guys jump, what, 30 meters? Yeah, close to 30 meters, yeah. Yeah. So just just for everyone that that's insanely high. If you fall from that height <laughs> yeah. and you do something wrong with your kite, you break every conceivable bone in your body, basically. Yeah, for sure. So how how okay? So it's a very risky thing. So how do you progress then? Because uh, that that I mean, it must be difficult to progress because it must be quite scary to try new things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely scary training for the king of the air. Um, because like I said before, the balance of, of learning new tricks and actually injuring yourself is, is, you know, you can, it can either go the good way or it can go really, really wrong. And f- for me, what works the best is, like I said, tra- like be on that water as much as possible. So I get very comfortable with, uh, uh, with the conditions. And then I only really train new tricks if I have a really, really good day. If I kind of feel yeah. shitty, I don't. I just let it go. I'm, I, I'll just have fun and, and not train any new stuff because otherwise the risk is just too big. Yeah. Okay. And do you do any other training outside of kite surfing? Like, uh, to tra- like I, I think you need a lot of core strength. Do you do exercises yeah. for that at all? Yeah, I do cro- quite a bit of CrossFit, which is um, quite a good way to – like an overall it's, – it's quite a good overall workout that um, – helps me with kiting you know it's a lot of like you say core strength strength arms cardio um which you can very much use for for kiting then i stand up pedal quite a lot i surf uh, i foil surf so try to be you know i love being in the water as you know a lot so and i feel like the more sports you do in the water you better the better you get at um the better you get at at learning the ocean Hmm. yeah so i hope i have an interesting question now which is you know basketball players like uh there's some statistic that basically they're all taller than a certain length and they have like longer arms than people on average you know it's kind of like Hmm. they have this natural um they're naturally better also because they're taller and have longer arms is there a thing in kiteboarding where okay if you have these physical things you're going to be a better kiteboarder I think so. Yeah, if if you look at the 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 top kiters, they um, they're all pretty much around like one sixty five, one seventy five, maybe one eighty, 
like there's a couple that are one meter ninety, but most of the guys are pretty much my size, and I'm I'm I think I'm one seventy five and I weigh eighty kilos. Okay. So that's wow. uh, then you're if, really packed on a lot of muscle. <laughs> yeah, you got pretty <laughs> strong from kiting. Yeah, but um, yeah, that I I feel like if you're too tall, you know, it's and you have to do all these spins. The the longer you are, the 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 harder it'll be to spin. So it's I think it's better if you're a little bit more compact, uh, but you got to be strong. So if you see most of the good guys are pretty like small but strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all huge. Like uh, I noticed it especially when you see girl kite surfers because girls yeah. it takes a bit longer before you, for instance, see their abs because they naturally have a little bit more uh, body fat than men, right? And then you see yeah. all these girls who are crazy ripped at kite surf which is just super yeah. fit yeah <laughs> insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah insane um let's see i have a lot of questions maybe probably too many for today but uh we'll see how far <laughs> we get um so may maybe we can go a little bit deeper into that nature nurture like um to what extent do you feel like you're just talented because you're so uh maybe determined a little bit smaller stronger and to what extent do you think you owe it completely to your hard work in terms of being professional um well it's hard to say how like percentage wise or something but yeah, i feel okay, like but, it's yeah. it's a com like it's a very much a combination i feel like you know you gotta you gotta put a lot of time in it and you gotta be yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. You know, it's hard work definitely pays off. You know, the more time you spend on that water, the more time you spend on fine tuning your gear, the more time you spend, like, researching tri uh, tricks and and looking back at video content that's been shot of you and analyzing your competition, uh, the be the better you will get. Um, then there's a bit of talent that plays a role, but uh, sometimes you see guys that have a lot of talent. And they don't have the drive, hmm. so it's it's a it's very much a combination. I feel like of, of, and and even being on the right place at the right time. You know, imagine I only figured out kiting, like at the age I am now, I would probably never have the I would never get the opportunity that I had when I was when I started. Yeah. Have you ever thought what you would have maybe done if you weren't a kite surfer? Yeah, I have. I I still don't know that question. Um, <laughs> But what I know now is I, you know, I kiteboarding brought me a lot, um, and um, I'm still a very active guy. So I'll probably do something in sports. That's that's for sure. Hmm. Okay. So the next thing I want to ask you is maybe a bit sensitive. So if you if you don't want to answer it, I understand. Um, but one thing that to me, like if I think, okay, yeah, do you want to be a professional kite surfer? I would probably say yes, because, you know, I love the sport, but I'm, you know, I'll never get there. I'm too old. Uh, but one thing I would think first is like, okay, professional athletes, money, that must be incredible hard, incredibly hard. Has that been a struggle for you? What do you mean with money? Yeah. Just like as a professional athlete, you need to try to be good enough to get enough money to keep going. Yeah. Has that been a struggle for you? Oh yeah, for sure. In the beginning, it was an absolute struggle. You know, it's not like, uh, like I said before, kiting is not a major sport where, uh, like soccer, where you have talent and your whole career path is pretty much uh, planned out for you. So, and at the same time, when I started kiting, it was a brand new sport and, um, yeah, it was hard to, 
to get you know get, get your financing to to travel the world and start competing but luckily i had my parents support me a little bit and then i had luck i was lucky enough to have sponsors like o'neill that's been supporting me for more than 20 years you know be there to to support me and 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 you know give a kickstart to my career and gave me the opportunity to travel around the world and um yeah i'm very very stoked with that and um yeah from there you know i had the, the chance to actually do the tour win some prize money get some better sponsorships and then basically make a living out of um out of kiting yeah so okay yeah so does it, it does it have anything to do with you starting uh the brand or anything else to kind of segue into something new has that anything to do with money or is that just a general well well it's you know i um I'm a guy that that loves challenging him, uh, himself, you know, and uh, I felt like, you know, I've done a lot of competitions. I won most of the major competitions. Um, I had a lot of cool sponsorships where, uh, you know, I reached a certain height and uh, I came to a point mm -hmm. in my career now where I was like, okay, what's next, you know? And then, um, you know, the next thing was to, to start your own brand and, uh, yeah. you know, I've, I've been thinking about it for many years already and, and, you know, have been dreaming about it, but I felt like a couple of years back, I was not there yet to, to start it. And then, um, yeah, at one point in my career, I was like, okay, you know, now it's maybe the time to, to start doing this and start, you know, looking around what the possibilities are. And, yeah. um, and yeah, I, I got so much energy out of it that it almost feels like a competition again. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah getting that drive again from competing and learning new stuff and, and, and making mistakes and then, you know, fixing the mistakes and, and then going into um, and improving it. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I've been through, like stressful wise with competing. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the business side, I can use that from what I used with competition to keep your head cool and to stay focused. And, uh, and I feel like I'm getting a lot of drive out of that as well. Yeah, it sounds like you've really learned to take in all the suffering and the pain and then kind of accept it and focus on what's ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, with, with competing and especially with the losing stuff, you know, is, is if you do lose, it really, really sucks. And yeah. the only thing you want to do is like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do something else. <laughs> and the hardest part is to be like, okay, you know, just analyze what you did wrong and then use that uh, to 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 improve, and because I've gone through that so so much, I know like okay, it doesn't matter to make mistakes. Sometimes it's good. Just focus on on your your goal you want to make. You know, it's never if if your goal is here, you're never gonna go straight to your goal. You're always gonna yeah. go like like this, up down, up down, up down, and then eventually we we'll get there. Yeah. And um, yeah that, that that's in the in the business side it's is is you know it's exactly the same thing so i feel like with uh, the stuff i've learned as a professional athlete uh, i can really really use that in the business side now yeah so if we just look at um just just i'm just so curious about it if you lose what does it look like for you do you kind of st um stick in the sadness for a couple of days or do you very quickly go to Okay, what did I what what could I have improved or how how what does it look like a little bit more in detail? Yeah, well if I lose I, I'm at the very moment I, I hear I lost, 
then I'm like, oh, fuck, man. It feels like my whole world crashes, you know? You're like, oh, why did I put so much effort into it, into this whole thing? And what a waste of time. And then, hmm. and I, I get really bummed for about, I would say, an hour, okay. 30 minutes, depending. So it's fairly short. Um, and I get, I get really, really bummed. But then I can fairly quickly find that switch where i can be like okay you know i lost i've been bummed about it but life goes on and i gotta move on and that's when i start analyzing and going into the whole analyzing process yeah because you you seem to me like a pretty happy person in general yeah yeah I'm, i don't have a lot of sad days <laughs> luckily that's awesome yeah nice okay then i want to get to the thing i'm most excited about which is your new brand so yeah tell us how it started just the whole thing i want to hear it all well it all started with an idea of course like um mm-hmm. like many ideas i have and it's you know it took quite uh, quite a while to actually you know i've been brainstorming about it and then talking to people about it and then i was like should we do it or should we not and uh yeah, then eventually everything came together, and um, I started this this company with uh, with Damien Gerardin, the kite designer. We partnered up, and he has so much knowledge in in the whole design part. So, you so know, when, when we that... started, yeah. when we started brainstorming about it, uh, we very quickly found like, hey, this is you know, we got a lot of energy from each other, and we 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 were like, oh yeah, if you do that, I can do this, and then it's like, you know, it felt like us together could go somewhere where we couldn't go alone Hmm. and um yeah then eventually uh it all started how long ago was that more or less when you and damien said okay now we do it um that was a couple months ago actually it was not that long ago that we actually decided hey we're gonna do it i was still under uh contract with uh, with one of my sponsors so i had to you know i couldn't really do much which i didn't and um you know so damien had to do quite a lot of work in the beginning and then eventually when i was free to go i was able to commit myself fully to it and uh and that's exactly what i did yeah because yeah, in the beginning 2000 or no, end of 2018 i think or middle i heard another podcast you were on and they asked you you know what are you going to do in the coming years and there was no brand mentioned yet so i was just curious to yeah. see if that was kind of something you were maybe holding back because you didn't want to say it to a contract or something like (laughs) yeah no well you know like i said before there's a lot of ideas you have like i I still have like a tons of tons of ideas of businesses i want to do but you know for actually for everything to come together takes not only a lot of time it takes guts and it takes you know the 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 financial resources and everything Mm -hmm. so it's not like you can come up with an idea with such a big such a big idea and 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 make it to work tomorrow you know it takes quite yeah. a lot of time and thinking through and 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 starting the whole process yeah because you know um there's so many people who do business studies they go to harvard they go to all these fancy places to learn about business and you're like hey i'm a kiter i'm a content creator you know what i can also be a businessman um how how did you get to the well, point how, how did you did, did you were you not scared or yeah man i'm fucking shared shitless <laughs> <laughs> you know i go into a world where you know especially the business side i'm i didn't study anything but i figured you know doing it together with damien he has a lot of knowledge on 
designing products, setting up a company. Um, and then we have a couple other people around us that ha do have a lot of skills on setting up companies and, and knowing uh, how to structure things and how to set up things. And that gave me a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of confidence to, to, to get this thing going. And, um, yeah, it's definitely scary, man. It's um, also because we invest our own money into into the company, which is oh, also wow. scary. Yeah. And um, but then again, you know, with with all the the knowledge we have and the the for the knowledge Damien has, the name I've built up in the kiteboarding community, it it felt like you know it was it's it is risky, but with having all that knowledge, wrong. it's it's almost hard to go wrong and. Um, and we were like, you know, we got to just do it. And we do it step by step. We build a good foundation. And then, um, yeah, that's actually what we're doing right right now. So a question I had there is, um, okay, if you're building a new product, you quite obviously want to differentiate yourself from other brands. Yep, what did you feel was maybe sure. lacking in other brands where, where you were like, okay, they're missing something. We don't miss it. We're going to put it out there. Well, first of all, we wanted to design stuff we wanted to ride and in the in the in the past um damien and i were working for a other kite company which was great but we were always there's always a bit of limits you know like we maybe thought oh this is a great idea but then uh the owner of the company would be like no 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 i don't want this and now we have complete freedom to do what we want so the the thing we wanted to do is is really um position our our brand as a solid well thought through um brand don't start with too many different kite um types which a lot of brands do they have like five six seven different types of kites which um in our opinion is is great but it really confuses the customer as well so we decided to make uh products that we want to ride and build our brand and and do our marketing the way we wanted to do it and and keep it uh -huh. very simple. So, for example, our bar, it's called the Dreamstick. The design on the bar is super simple. It's very straightforward, very easy, very slick, very light. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also with our kite design. Our kite design it looks very recognizable, very clean, uh, very minimalistic, and you know i feel like that that way um it's easier for the consumer first of all to recognize our brand uh and which is good to to build a brand and for example and at the same time it doesn't confuse the customer what to buy so we yeah. designed a kite that's pretty much good for 90 90 percent um of the kiter yeah yeah I think I think that's awesome. I think you could kind of say that right now reading kites is like the apple of the phone world, you know, like you have Samsung putting out uh, crazy amounts of phones and it's like okay, we have the iPhone. It's like okay, we have the supermodel and it's going to be the best kite you ever ride. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good compliment. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean content-wise I love it. I love the names. It looks amazing. I just uh can't wait to ride one. Um cool. when I've saved up a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I still buy second hand. But that aside, um so could you maybe give one example of something where you think, okay, this thing in our kite is very different from the others? Well, I think what we did spot on is that you basically get the kite in your hands first go, 
people mm -hmm. right away and they feel it's it's very natural you don't have to think about the kite the kite the feel in the bar is very light it's very predictable it doesn't do any weird fluttering or falling out of the sky and i think that's something really unique that we that we found the right balance between um we found the perfect balance of the kite being easy so that way people can ride and control like um focus on their tricks for example and don't worry about the kite you know the kite is going to follow you you know exactly all the time where it where it is um it's not going to yank you off your board like some kites really really do and mm. and i feel like we we did find the the right the, the really good balance in that yeah yeah i i think something interesting to mention which correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like kiting is one of the very few sports where beginners ride with the same gear as professionals apart from maybe the boards i feel like the boards are maybe a bit stiffer yeah. for yeah, higher jumpers but yeah exactly yeah it's you know on the that, that's a good question you asked that because I, i do get that question a lot but What we've noticed, uh, and especially what I've noticed, like back in the days we were riding sea kites for, for example, freestyle. And mm -hmm. then we used those sea kites um, for big air So just for the listeners, a sea kite is a shape of the kite. So it looks more like a yeah. sea, just for the people that don't and know. And it's, it's, it's more like, a, yeah, the sea kite is more like, a, there's not much range in power. So it's always full power pretty much. And then the, the bridal kites came along and I, you know, back in 2018, I went from riding sea kites in the king of the air to ride bridal kites in the, in the, um, in the king of the air. And the, the, the advantage of the bridal kites is that there's more range in power. It's a lot more stable and the more range in power really helps you to hold on to your kite much longer, be more in control while you jump. And that way for me as you know riding in the king of the air if i do a crazy kite loop with a board off and i need that much extra power mm -hmm. i can do that with our kites and if i need that much uh less power i can do that as well and before with the sea kites that was impossible there was just you know full power and that was it which is great but if you want to fine-tune your tricks Yeah. And you can only choose from full power, then, you know, at one point you're sort of limited. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so maybe another business question then. Um, one thing that would worry me in going into a um, company is, is maybe that you kind of are ownership with someone. And so you say that Damien and yourself went off really well and, you know, just a lot of things. Do you guys ever have disagreements? Oh yeah, we of course, yeah, we uh, we do, and um, and of course too, you know, I think we we discussed very well on on what terms we're gonna do this, you know. So we had long long conversation. We did we discussed like, you know, what happens worst case scenario? What are we gonna do? You know, what about if we get in a fight? You know, or you say we gotta go this way, and I think we gotta go that way. Yeah. What are we gonna do? And um, I'm very glad that yeah. that we are both very open. Uh, we've been very open to that discussion and i think um that way we really knew what we wanted from each other and we wrote it down on on a piece of paper on an agreement this is how we're yeah. going to do it and if we don't if we disagree we're going to do it like this and this and this and um 
I think that's very important. You know, you're two different kind of people and, you know, maybe at this very moment you think a lot in the same direction, but maybe in the future it might change. But um, that's why we made uh, all the, the, you know, the good agreements to make sure if there does, if there is a disagreement, then we know what to do. Yeah, I, I think that's, I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned this because it, it sounds like such a smart thing to do. It, it reminds me of a study I read recently, which is where people were asked to say, what is your favorite music now? And they gave an answer, say Kiss. And then they were asked, okay, what do you think your favorite music is going to be 10 years from now? Yeah. And then they actually went back 10 years later and almost no one was right about what they said they actually liked. So I think, you know, fallout agreements yeah. are just really smart to make sure that you never i think you know it's yeah. it's it's a business we're in and uh you know i know that's sometimes the problem as well you know you get so enthusiastic in the beginning and you're like yeah we should do this and this and this and you take off with like 100 kilometers an hour and then at one point you hit a wall and you're like oh fuck we didn't think about this and this and this you know yeah. and what if we do disagree and so yeah, we we I'm very lucky. I'm very happy that we we figured that all out in very early stages, and we both opened up our books. Like mm -hmm. this is what I want. This is what I want. And yeah, we we figured it out. Yeah, that's awesome. And, I'm uh, excited to and see. And hopefully, where it's going uh, hopefully, it won't come to a disagreement in the in the future. But you never know. You know, you might like you yeah. say, you might change in ten years or whatever. But then at least we know what to do. What process yeah. we need to to to. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like people mess this up a lot in marriages as well. I don't know if yeah. you want to get into marriages, but uh, yeah. Well, are, are you married actually? No, I'm not married, but I uh, I do have a girlfriend and uh, and a little two year old daughter. Yeah, yeah. That that must be. Isn't that isn't that? I mean, you don't have to answer this, but is, isn't it hard to combine your lifestyle with with uh, with a girlfriend yep. and especially a kid? Yeah, it's it's super tough. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not easy. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be honest with that. Uh, yeah, it's not easy. You know, I travel all around the world. Well, not at the moment now with the Corona crisis, but uh, right. you know, I travel all around the world, and uh, and you know, my schedule keeps changing. Um, and then I have a you know, I'm a family man at home. At the same time, I'm a a business owner, and then I'm an athlete as well. So yeah, to combine. And your content those creator. Things. And a content creator. So to, yeah. to fit, you know, all that stuff in a day is 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 sometimes very tough. Yeah. It's um yeah, sometimes you're drug juggling and then yeah. But I try to do my best at it and uh, my family always comes first, of course. But uh yeah, yeah, sometimes it's difficult, yeah, for sure. So have there been times where you had to cancel things to go back because you felt like you weren't spending enough time at home? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, if you travel more than half of the year all around the world, you know, and and if I say yes to everything, I will be traveling the whole year around. Mm. So yeah, sometimes I have to be like, okay, what's you know what's more important if I go on this trip or be with my family? And then you know, I I discuss that a lot with my girlfriend to make sure we make the right decision. And then um, yeah, we we take it uh, we take it like that. So. You mentioned something interesting, uh, which to me seems to be very hard when you're kind of famous like yourself. Is how how do you make decisions about what you say yes to and what you say no to? Um, well, I just take it step by step. I take it step by step. You know, and you analyze it. You look like like 
I look like uh, I always look. For example, if I have to go somewhere to do, let's say, promotion work in an event, for mm-hmm. for some um, as an example, I always look at it as a business. You know what? What do I get out of it? Yeah. You know, is it money? Is it promotion? Like, and then I, you know, look look at it, and then I look at okay, or I can spend time with my family. Um, and then this one always starts here, the family, but then, you know, depending on how much, you know, either money you get out of it or, or, um, promotion you get out of it, you make, you make a decision on what's, what has the, you know, what, what's, what's a smart move. Cause yeah. you can't say yes to everything, but you cannot say no to everything too. So you got to find that right balance where, you know, it's, it's. Yeah, financially interesting because I need to support my family too, and mm-hmm. then um, yeah, figure it out. Yeah, so so maybe that leads to a to a small segue just for a little bit. Do you kind of have a hope that your uh, that your daughter is going to be a kite surfer at some point, or is that going to just be forced like she has to? No, no I don't want to force her. <laughs> I just want to do what she loves doing. I don't. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I do. I I would love to. I would love to go kiting with her together. But if she wants to do another sport i don't i don't care i'll be there to support whatever she wants to do and i feel like that's the most important thing to do as well as a parent you know just be there to support your kid and and you know let them figure stuff out just like my parents always did and uh Mm -hmm. yeah i want to i want to do that the same with my daughter awesome um so earlier you mentioned that kiting is a very niche sport yeah so yeah of course uh it's it's way easier to go play football or soccer with a couple of friends than it is to pick up um a kite and a kite board um do you have is there any intentions for yourself to try and grow the amount of people that kite surf um yeah, well, I think with with the stuff I do now with with the social media, I I hope well, I hope it gets people into kiting. You know, I I, I want to share my stoke of of kiting, and I feel like throughout my social media networks, I have the ability to do that. And uh, and you still see the sport grow every day. You know, every if mm-hmm. I look back five years ago, it's like a lot of people did it, and 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 like now it's even more crazy. So I think. Um, you know, with events like the King of the Air and and like the ability um, we have nowadays with the social media to inspire people and to share your passion, I think is uh, is great. Do you think that the um, the price of kites in general keeps some people from kiting, or a lot of people? Do you think it's maybe one of the main or? um yes and no i think uh it is it is um it it is expensive uh yeah. that's for sure but the secondhand market uh, it can get the people into kiting as well for for a little bit less money um yeah it is an expensive sport but there are ways to do it a cheaper way and and of course if kiteboarding if a kite would have cost 100 euros then i'm sure a lot of a lot more people would have done it but um, yeah, I think it's it's a good balance we have. Because hmm. I um, I was watching some videos about how kites are made, and it seems like most of them are still made in Asia, pretty much handmade. 
Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, most of our factory is in, is in uh, China and um, all the, the kites are yeah made by hand. They're sewed together. Um, and um, yeah, it, it's quite a lot of work. The materials mm -hmm. that go in there are, are need to be light and very strong and durable. So, and, and then again, the thing is with, with kites, it's not like you can produce a, a million kites a year, you know? Uh, which could decrease the, 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 the price a little bit, but it's still quite expensive to make a kite. Yeah. Actually, it, it sounds like it's um, like the actual prices are quite cheap if you consider uh, how much work goes into making one. Yeah, I think. yeah for sure. Yeah, it, it is definitely uh, definitely a lot of work. And not only like putting the kite together, but, you know, designing it, testing it, uh, you know, doing the whole testing process costs a lot of time and money too um and then and then the materials that go in there so it's a whole combination of all those things when you were uh building the first prototype did you have any like interesting stories of things working different than you thought yeah well when we started um designing uh, when we started making prototypes we were like okay which that first you got to decide which direction you wanted to go so Damien and I have been, you know, we, we discussed it quite a lot. And then eventually um, he did make uh, the first prototypes. And the first time I flew one, I was like, you know, with his knowledge, mm -hmm. I was like, holy fuck, dude, this is like the kite that we <laughs> talked about. And now I have it in my hands, you know. And that was that was a moment when we, you know, I, I kited for like an hour and a half and had goosebumps for the whole hour and a half of my session you know wow. it was just such a magical moment you know doing this step in my in my career and then you know sort of everything coming together and um yeah that was definitely a great moment so where do you hope that this the whole company will go how do you see it in the future um well I, my my goal and our goal with reading is to to keep on developing gear we want to ride and and progress in in designs and and ways of flying and and ease of riding so we can get a lot of people as stoked on the water as we are on kiteboarding and and you know get people up in the air easier that's our that's our main goal and then hopefully um you know we will build a, a healthy business where we can um earn a little bit of money out of and and you know, make a living out of, keep on making a living out of kiting. That's, that's my goal with the whole company. And, and then, um, you know, keep on sharing the passion we have for kiting. I think, um, that's our main drive. And, um, the one of the reasons I'm asking is if, you know, like you work a lot with, with Robbie Nash, right. And, you know, his, his company sells more than, uh, more than kite gear. Yeah. Uh, of course. Do you think you're ever gonna, I don't know, start making subs or, or, yeah, or... maybe we we uh, well we're still you know we want to go step by step. We don't want to of take so. off uh, too crazy. Um, yeah. It's it's um, it's not that hard to make a lot of different gear, but it's it it is hard to actually sell it and maintain good quality and 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 good designs. So we we're taking it step by step, and uh, our main mm -hmm. focus now is to focus on the kites and the bar, uh, the boards, the binding, and the surfboards. Yeah. And uh, then potentially we will move into some more gear. Yeah, that's definitely our goal. But at this moment and this year, we will just focus on those products first. And and um, 
we only want to launch stuff that we feel comfortable about you know that we feel like yeah this is the stuff we want to ride and this is the stuff we feel like we put all the time and effort into it this is what we can make this is the best we can make and only then we will put it on the market yeah yeah because actually uh a lot of your gear i mean i feel like there's so much attention to detail in a new gear yeah so so what, one thing i love is the the bag in which the kindness mm. is also you can also change in it right like it's yep. also a changing uh thing Mac. so yeah yeah so what what is your favorite kind of little gizmo of of all the ones that are there Maybe. Well, the, the the bag is definitely one of them, but I think my favorite one is the automatic uh, unswiveling. So we have a center line in the, we have four lines attached to the kite. And then if you do a rotation, your lines are twisted. So you can yeah. spin your bar back, but then usually your center line gets a twist in it. Mm -hmm. And before you always had to manually um, okay. untwist your center line. But then we designed a, a, a system where um, everything goes automatically. So you spin your bar back and then it out of swivels, automatically swivels your center line um, back to normal. And that's something I, you know, I've been kiting for 20 years and I did a lot of unwinding my center line. And I was like, yeah. wow, you know, this is such a cool feature that that I'm like, it it makes so much sense, you know. And um, so I'm very proud that we have that system on our bar. Literally magic, right? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, so maybe one or two more questions before we head off. Um, one is about, and we, we've talked about this quite a bit, but just general time management. Like what does is, what is the time spending for you look like right now? um well now now it's hard you know because the, the 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 daycare is closed so uh, my my, yeah. uh, my girlfriend has a full-time job too so we're juggling in between uh, uh i'm juggling in between daddy daycare the business owner the athlete and uh and the content creator so it's very you know sometimes i yeah it's hard to manage time but um like me and my girlfriend do shifts now so i usually Either work in the morning and then take care of the of Mali, my daughter in the in the afternoon, and then the other day the other way around, and um, yeah, I just try to work a little bit at night as well, and then during the day, if I don't have um, if I don't do daddy daycare, then uh, then I'm out kiting like today, and then luckily my parents are there to to take care of uh, my daughter. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so. My last question is always kind of similar, which is kind of like if you had a billboard and you could say something to people in a, maybe a couple words or, or a sentence, what, what would you what would you put out there? I would say follow your passion because you will get, you will get good at it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think something like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Kevin. Well, it's been an cool. absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, thanks it's so fun. much. Yeah. All right. Talk to you soon, hopefully. Have a good See one. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Um, if you enjoyed this show, you would really help me out by following me on Instagram and sharing this podcast with anyone that you think would enjoy it. Um, for the show notes, you can go to jamesmonocle.com uh, where you will find the links to Kevin's uh, Instagram, his YouTube channel, and also the websites that relate to his new brand, Reading Kites. Uh, if you can, please also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And with that, hopefully see you next time.